Look in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest. I mean, if you know, God wants his people in rest. It's an amazing tension. Almost a contradiction, if you will, that the word presents to us that there's trials and tribulations, opposition, resistance to the cause of Christ and to the cause of the kingdom. But yet we can be at rest. But yet the Bible tells us, do not be anxious for anything. Do not worry, the Bible tells us. Jesus said, yes, there will be trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer, not be of good fear. There's a difference. Be of good cheer. Look at this internal position that God has me in, regardless of what's going on. He never designed us to be dictated by outward circumstances. Never did. And when you get in that position where we allow the, the trials, tragedies, the, the struggles and, and the oppositions of life to begin to shake us and move us, we're in a position God never designed us to be. We weren't designed to operate that way. But to yet become fixed internally. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. I don't want there to be a promise of rest and I'm not in it. But look what verse 2 says. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. He's talking about the Israelites in the wilderness. That's the them. Coming out of Egypt. Been set free. And God was able to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. But he wasn't able to get Egypt out of the Israelites. And so they never walked in what God had for them. See, God can get you out of darkness into light. But the the question is, will you work on getting the darkness out of you? Will you work on walking away from that which you were once attached to? Will you work on getting rid of the stuff that was in you? We need a renewal. We need a refreshing. We, we, the Bible tells us that we need to be renewed in our minds. Because the way that I think determines the way that I live. Indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Now look at this. But the word which they heard did not profit them. That's scary. That this word, the power. How many of you believe the word of God has power? How many of you believe that this word has an answer to every situation? How many of you believe that you can go to the word and you can find the answer to whatever you're believing for, looking for, needing? Absolutely. But it says here that the word that they heard was not profitable. It did not profit them. That means it did not produce results. I don't know about you, but I don't want to believe in a word that doesn't produce results. I don't want to carry around a a, a belief that doesn't actually produce the results that it's designed to to bring into my life. I I don't know about you. I'm a results guy. I'm very black and white. You can ask my son. Very black and white. It's either this or that. There's no gray area. There's no halfway here. Either it works or it doesn't. Either this is real or it's not. But he says here that the word that they heard did not profit them. Watch this. Not being mixed with faith. 
in those who heard it. It says that they were not united by faith. The word that you hear will not change your life. We know that hearing is the beginning. Romans chapter 10 in verse 17 says, so then faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I've got to hear it to get it. That's where faith starts. But faith comes by hearing and faith grows by doing. I want to make a connection today between what we hear and what we see. Do I see in my life what I hear God's word say about my life? It says here that they heard the gospel. They heard the same gospel was preached to them. That's the, that has been preached to us. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Now, most of us know faith as just simply a belief or believing in something. I believe this. I have faith in this. But James chapter 2, the next book over, James chapter 2, shows us a different picture of faith. That faith... Believing is only part of faith. Believing is only a part of faith. He shows us there's another side to faith. James chapter 2 verse 17. Thus also faith by itself. What does that mean? If it does not have works. Does not have works. Is dead. Anybody in here want dead faith? If I was handing out dead faith to today, uh, free dead faith, come and get it. Anybody want free dead faith? It's all your, nobody wants dead faith. Dead means ineffective. Dead means incomplete. It's missing something. Dead, that, nobody wants anything that's dead. Death does not profit anybody. He says here that faith, just the believing faith, Without actions, without corresponding actions, without a lifestyle of faith is incomplete. Faith by itself, if it does not have works. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Faith is revealed through application. Faith is revealed through application. Recognize today that faith requires a response. Faith requires a response. Let's just take salvation, for example. Salvation is not just merely uh, 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 believing Jesus died on the cross, rose again, came back to life, gave me eternal life. Now I'm a child of God. That's not salvation. He goes on to say that there are corresponding actions. If you believe in your heart and you what? Confess with your mouth. That's an action. That's, that's something that has to be visible. It has to be proven. It has to be seen. Faith is always revealed. We ought to be able to see faith. Now, I'm not talking about faith in just 
for particular things like faith for healing or faith from finances. This all applies. I'm just talking about faith in Jesus, faith to live the kingdom life, to believe in God. There's got to be corresponding actions. Verse 19, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. If we believe only, we simply align ourselves with demons. Even the devil believes. Even the devil believes in God. No, we need a faith that has actions. Verse 20, but you, but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together? Working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect. We are not, we do not have faith by works. We have faith for works. You, you, are, you are not saved. You don't come into the kingdom because you did anything. There's nothing you could do that could accomplish salvation in your life. It's by grace through faith that you are saved. Amen. Amen. We, we agree on that. There's nothing you could do to come into the kingdom to get God's attention to say, hey, I'm good enough now. I'm worthy. No, you become worthy. You're made worthy by his son. But now that we are saved, now that we are in the kingdom, there is a corresponding lifestyle and a corresponding action that follows what we believe. If I believe that I am married to my wife on the front row, then there will be corresponding actions that align with my belief. I can believe that I'm married to her all day long, but not act like it, not show it to her, not act like the husband I'm supposed to be. And what good is that? Well, I, I believe I'm married. And she can say, I believe you're not. I don't see the corresponding actions. I don't see the results. And therefore, it doesn't profit. I don't know about you. I want a profitable gospel. I want a gospel that produces results. I'm tired of just believing and walking. Have you ever noticed that people will believe anything these days? If it's on Facebook, they believe it. Wikipedia is 100% correct all the time. The internet never lies, right? Wrong. But we believe it. We just swallow stuff like baby birds with our mouths wide open. I don't know about you. I want to be like the Bereans. I want to go back and prove out scripture. Let me see that in the word of God. That doesn't mean that you sit here with the haughty and prideful attitude. Well, you're going to have to show me that in scripture. That wasn't their heart at all. Their heart was to learn. Their heart was hungry. But their heart was also, I want to see it in the word. Show it to me in the word. I want a proven gospel. So my faith needs to have actions. Verse 22. Do you see that faith was working together? I want to have faith that is working together with my words. That means you and your faith need to be in agreement. Your life and what you say need to align. Are you hearing me? Your life And what you say you believe need to align. They need to be in alignment. They need to be in agreement. It says, and by works, faith was made perfect. Perfect means complete. So we have dead, that means incomplete. And now we have perfect, which means 
complete. Now my faith is complete. It's finished when I act on the word. Now, why is this important? Go back over to Hebrews in chapter five. So, so far, we've seen that there was a gospel that was preached that did not produce results. Just because we have churches filled uh, across America does not mean that we have productive, profitable Christianity. It's more than just hearing the word of God. It begins with hearing. But how many of us are going to walk back through those doors and allow the process of the gospel to begin to work in our lives today? That's what has to take place. Church should not just be a Sunday thing. It isn't a Sunday thing. We've tried to make it a Sunday thing. We've tried to isolate it. We've tried to make it. That's what you do on Sunday mornings. Saturday night's my time, God. You got tomorrow. If I wake up in time, if I feel like it, you know, it, it, it's, it's so dangerous. I, I believe one of the greatest dangers to Christianity in the last days is pride and selfishness. I believe it's always been a danger to Christianity. But in the last days, the Bible even says that men will become lovers of themselves. And there's so many ways that we love ourselves but don't know that we do. The decisions that we make and the, 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 the choices uh, that we make on a daily basis and, and, and how we go about our life. Even sometimes, even in Christianity, saying that this is for God or this is for the kingdom is really just for yourself. Giving just because I believe I'm going to get back. When's the last time you gave and didn't expect anything in return? Now, I know that you should expect something that God is a God will give back to you, but not with the with the motivation. How about just giving with the motivation of I want to give? I just want to be generous. There are some things that we do sometimes that we believe are unselfish that are really just selfish. It's dangerous. It hinders our purpose. It hinders God's plan. So we see that we have these individuals. They received the word. They heard the word, but it did not profit them. It was not mixed with faith. We recognize that faith is corresponding action. So what I hear has to become what I do. What I hear has to become what I apply, how I live my life. Now look at this in Ephesians chapter five in verse 12. Begin with verse 12. For though by this time, You ought to be teachers. Now, he's not talking to teachers. He's talking to the body. He's talking to the brethren. He's talking to the church, the Hebrew church. The writer of this passage is saying, for by this time, you ought to be teachers. I bet none of you in here expected to ever be able to teach the word of God. But it's very clearly written that what we receive should be given away. That doesn't mean you're going to get up here behind a pulpit, a podium uh, with, with a Bible and an outline and a microphone in your hand and start preaching and teaching. The teaching can happen in the cubicle. Teaching can happen at the gas station. Teaching can happen at Walmart. Teaching can happen on the soccer field. This is teaching. By this time, what he's saying is you ought to be able to share with others what has been shared with you. That's what he's saying. 
to whom much is given, much is required. If, there, if, if God has deposited something within you, then he can demand something of you. Are you hearing me? And when God deposits, he always makes a demand. And he'll never demand more than he deposits. Sometimes it feels like that. Uh, uh, these past several Wednesdays has been a blessing to hear. How many of you have been blessed by all the different people that we've had speaking on these Wednesdays? Amen. Amen. It's been amazing to hear these different voices in our church. One person asked me, when are you going to get back up there? I might not ever get back up there. But the point is, is it's not me. And it's not about me. And it's not about Jerry Ann or Lisa or Chase or James or Pastor Caleb or Pastor Chris. It's not about the individual. It's about the God working and speaking through the individual. And God has sent us and blessed us with some amazing individuals that have received revelation from the kingdom. And it needs to be shared. But it's always interesting to ask. And, and in all the responses are always different. Some are like, yeah, I thought you'd never ask. And others are like, no. Not doing that. It's amazing, you know, when you're put in that situation, you begin to question what I really have. When you are really put in a situation of where you have to give something away, it causes you to look inward and say, do I have something to give away? And that's all, that's all it's about. That's all it's about. I told every single one of them, I said, you've got something. They went, well, is there anything you want me to speak on, you know, in line with? No. Nope. I mean, if the Holy Spirit tells me I want you to speak uh, uh, along this certain thing or if I want everyone to speak in a certain vein, but no, the Holy Spirit told me, tell you to speak whatever he's placed it within your heart, because that is what will bless our church. Not what I come up with, not any man-made idea or man-made thought, but it's what God wants to share to the body of Christ. And who am I to say no? Right, Jeremiah? I'm too young. Who am I? No, I will get up. I don't care if someone, you know, I, I, I mentioned last weekend I did a wedding and prepared months for the wedding. That in one blip, you can mess it all up, jack up their whole wedding. It's on TV. It's on camera. They're going to remember that for the rest of the, They're not going to remember any of the good stuff. They're going to remember how you botched. You got the name wrong. Uh, you, 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 you said something wrong. You, you just messed up the whole thing. I would, I would rather be told at the last second, hey, we need you to preach something than to have to prepare three months to, to mess up something like that. that. That's just, that's not me. Give me something spontaneous. Give me something in the moment. I remember I was in Nicaragua and uh, we, were, we were teaching um, some, some students there and there were two groups of students that we were teaching. Uh, there were some that we were training to be instructors. So they, we were going a little deeper, a little further with them and then there was another group that was going through the class themselves uh, uh, and so you know, it just needed to be very basic about purpose, about vision, you know, whatever. And this was in 2012. I had just started pastoring. I'd only been pastoring like maybe a, a year. Maybe a year. And uh, pastoring, senior pastoring, we were children's pastors before that. Uh, uh, and, and I can, I probably get more nervous with kids than I do up on this stage just because, you know, you've got to break it down for them. You've got to work a little harder to get it there. And so uh, I'm, I'm teaching 
And uh, they, I'm going into this one class, and I thought I was going to be teaching the instructors, and I find out I'm going to be teaching the other group. Oh, yeah, just, just teach something on, on purpose. Just teach something on, uh, you know, vision, you know, for your life, or, you know, God's got a plan, you know, something along those lines. I'm like, okay, totally messed me up, because I used to be, used to be an outline guy. I had to have my outlines. I had to have it in front of me, know exactly where I'm going, got all my points. I got my six pages front and back. I'm ready to go. And so I get kind of thrown to the wolves. And I had one verse, Genesis 1, verse 26. You start at the beginning, right? If you don't know where to start, just go to the front of the book and just go start there. There's got to be something good there. And I ministered for over two hours straight Probably one of the most exciting times I've ever had. The word just coming out of me. The, the verses just coming out. The points just coming out. I wanted to go back and take notes off of what I just had taught because it was that good. Nothing in front of me. This last series that I taught on Wednesday nights, for those of you that were here, I was teaching on uh, King David. Cheese and Giants. I started that on one night and I had one passage. That's all I had. And it turned into like eight or nine weeks of just anointed material. That's not me. I'm not that smart. But that's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. He'll make you look smart. The Holy Spirit will make you. He will. He does a much better job than I do, guys. Period. It's amazing what happens when we're led by the Spirit. He says that by this time, you ought to be teachers. That's not intimidating. That's what we should be doing. But look what he says. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. That's not a compliment, guys. He's not complimenting them. He's saying rather than being able to share what God has put in you, you've got to have someone share the same stuff with you all over again. This happens. We should get to a point in our spiritual walk. We should get to a point in our faith where it's no longer about us. And it's about how are we influencing and impacting those around us. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen is the oil will dry up if it remains inside the jar. You've got to start pouring it out. Someone said, well, well, when do I know to pour it out? And how do I know how much to pour? Pour what you have into all you have. Pour all you have into what you have. Give it away. That's how it stays fresh. Some of us have, go, have grown so comfortable in our walk with the Lord. Some of us, uh, you know, it, 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 it makes no, it, it doesn't do anything to us anymore to remember what Jesus did on the cross. It doesn't even impact us anymore. Foundational, Yes. But a foundation that is not built upon will begin to crack and begin to wear away. A foundation is designed to be built upon. He says that you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. There is a time when you first come into the kingdom as a baby, you are helpless. You need someone to feed you. You need someone to deposit within you. You need to be in a position of just receiving. I've seen people get born again, and the first thing they want to do is go hit the streets corners and start teaching. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
you don't have anything to give away. You can only give away what you have. And they're excited. And and then they want to just go and and they want to share. And yes, you want to share the good news. But if you want to teach and you want to see other babies don't do good at feeding other babies. You ever watch the baby feed a baby? Not going to work. They'll probably end up keeping it for themselves. Hey, give this Cheerio to him. No, that's mine. No, we got to grow up. We've got to mature. We, we, we begin in a position as babes in Christ. But the, the desire, the goal, verse 14, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their what? Senses exercised. I mean, if you think about working out, if you quit working out for a while, you don't keep getting stronger. And then the even more, the the worst position than that is you get weaker. You don't even stay as strong as you were when you stopped. This has got to be habitual. This has got to be a lifestyle. This isn't something that we just, I mean, how many of you would eat one time a week? No, no hands go up. But yet that's what we do in here. We eat, feed ourselves spiritually one time a week. And this is me feeding you. We've got to feed ourselves. We have a responsibility in this. Why is this so important? Why is the application of the word and my growth spiritually so important? He says that you will have your senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That seems so weird. That I would need to exercise my senses to be able to tell the difference between what's good and what's bad. We should automatically know that, right? Kids know what's good and what's bad. But this is the thing. If we don't train ourselves to recognize between what's good and what's bad, we will call what's bad good and we will call what's good bad. The Bible says that that's what will happen in the last days. Men will create new ways to sin. But the Bible says that in the last days, we won't know the difference between good and evil. So I've got to be in the word so I can know how to live. I've got to be training myself. This should not be the last time you open this book. And a lot of people don't even bring their Bibles to church anymore. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. This is church. I promise you will use it. I promise we will go to this book at some point. There will never be a service that we do not open this book. I don't have anything for you outside of this. And yes, we put it on the screens and yes, we do all those cool things. And and some of you may use tablets and, and devices and that's great. I encourage you to have a Bible that you can write in and that you if you don't have a Bible that you can write in, give it away and get one that you can write in. Get one that you can highlight, get one that you can mess up because God will share things with you beyond what's on these pages. Uh, I know this is boring stuff, right? It feels like we're just, this is the elementary principles. He goes on in chapter six, verse one, therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles. But guys, if we don't get the foundation right, everything you build on top of that will fall. It will topple. 
without this foundation. Now, I want to back up to verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 5. We've already heard that there was a gospel that was heard, but they didn't apply. It didn't profit them. It wasn't mixed with faith, which faith requires application. We recognize that when that happens, this, we, we don't grow in the word because we can't receive the gospel. So we've got to receive the gospel. We've got to receive the word with faith. But watch what happens when we don't receive the word with faith and apply it to our life. Verse 11, of whom we have much to say. And I'm going to tell you right now, God still has so much to say. You will never exhaust all that God has to say. But this verse says, of whom we have much to say. And it's hard to explain. Why? Not because it's difficult to explain. He says the reason why it's hard for us to explain it. Since you have become dull of hearing. My lack of application of the word of God affects my hearing. It affects my hearing. If I preach and that word is not applied and put into practice and a course of action, a lifestyle change is not implemented according to the word of God, you will get to a point where you don't even want to hear it and you won't even hear anything else I have to say. That's a sad way to live. It all begins with hearing. Hearing comes by faith. Faith by the word of God. It all starts with my hearing. But if my hearing is, no, is, is not put into practice, no application of what I hear, if what I hear does not become what I do, then I will no longer be able to hear. And if we're dull of hearing, guess what? You're dull of faith. It's a chain reaction. Because it starts with hearing. It's not applied. It affects my hearing. I can no longer hear. And what I cannot hear, I cannot have faith for. That's why this is so important. This is not, it's simple, yes. But we need to understand the ramifications of not putting the word of God into practice. Not creating a reverence for the word of God. There, there is a lack of reverence for the word of God today in these last days. This word does not carry the same value that it once did. It sits on shelves and collects dust. This is the word of God that will change your very life. This is the word of God that will alter your marital situation. This is the word of God that will give you the direction for the next job or promotion. This is the word of God. No, nothing in this world can replace what the word of God can do. They've tried to get rid of it. Never could. This word has more references to it, to its validity than any other book on the planet. There needs to be a reference for the word and not a book, but the application of it. Not just what I hear and what I read and what I see on these pages, 
but for actually putting it into practice in my life. And guess what is so exciting? The more of the word that you do, the more of the word God can give. I've seen people ask, well, I just I haven't gotten anything deep. I want more revelation. God, take me deeper in your word. But they're not even doing the last thing he said to do. They're not even putting into practice. Why would he give you something else? See, God's word is not just something to be handed out. Jesus said, you do not cast pearls before swine. Why? Swine do not value pearls. If you do not value the word of God, then you will not receive from the word of God. If you don't hold this in value, you know where most people go to the word when they're in trouble? The word of God produces the best results in your life when you're proactive about its investment in yours. When you read it, just to read it. Just to dwell in it. Just to commune with the Father. Then when trial comes, trials and tribulations come up, when you squeeze a sponge, squeeze a sponge, guess what comes out? Whatever it's got in it. So when life squeezes you, guess what's going to come out? Whatever you put in. I, it's amazing when, you know, it, it, it can be tough being a pastor sometimes. Can I just be transparent and honest with you? Because it can be difficult to be proactive in an individual's life to correct or say, hey, man, I've been seeing this take place and that's dangerous. You you don't want to go there. Hey, man, you you can't speak into my life. But then when they go down that path, I'm the one they come to to correct everything. And I'm supposed to do it in one meeting. All the stuff you've been working on for the last 30 years, you're supposed to sit down with the pastor and all of a sudden get this great insight to alter your entire life and everything. It doesn't work that way. And the only place I'm going to turn you to is where? The Word. This is why you want to allow the Word. The Bible says that the Word of God can be a mirror. Mirrors can show you the stuff that looks good, but they can also show you the stuff that doesn't. It'll show you the stuff that's in your teeth that's not supposed to be there. It'll show you the hair that's out of place. It'll show you uh, that, that you know, you're, you, you, you've got something going on that you don't want to walk out looking like that. The word will help correct you. The word will help adjust you. The word will help. Mm, man, that's out of alignment. I'm not walking in love with my brother. Mm, that's not right. I'm, I'm not supporting uh, and respecting my spouse as I ought to. And, and the word. See, a lot of times people go to the word to, to find all the stuff to throw on somebody else. You go to your husband and say, you need to read Ephesians chapter five. You're supposed to love me like Jesus loved the church. But we don't want to read the scriptures and talk about us. Come on. So simple, but so true. So real. He says that if we don't apply the word, if we don't put works with our faith, live it out. A lifestyle of believing like this word is true. We will become dull of hearing and we'll get to a place where we won't even be able to hear what God is saying anymore. That's why Jesus said this generation, this perverse and wicked generation, having ears to hear, 
but do not hear. Having eyes to see and do not see. Not physically, spiritually, what the word of God says. This is life to our bones. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Apparently, David's goal was to not sin. Apparently, David's goal was to live upright and pleasing to the father. Apparently, David's motivation was to do all according to the commandments, according to what God's word says. So what did he do? I've hidden your word in my heart. He's proactive about it. So that way, when sin comes and tempts me, knocks on my door, I won't do it because I've got a word placed in my heart. The reason why we fall into temptation with sin is because we haven't built up a reservoir of the word of God to counteract that. To counteract the temptation and the evil. that comes. It's amazing that in the garden, in Genesis chapter 3, God never once warned Adam and Eve about the snake. That just blows my mind. If I were God, any ever, anybody ever played that game? That would have been the first thing I would have told Adam and Eve. There's a snake. A talking one. And if that doesn't freak you out enough, he's my enemy. He's against me. He's going to try to get you to do the very thing I told you not to do. Which was only one thing, so that was easy. The only thing he told him that not to do was to eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. But he never once said, watch out for the snake. There weren't any signs in the yard saying, keep back. Snake in the area. Why? Because he armed them with his word. And if they would have just obeyed the word, the snake would have never touched them. God didn't, they didn't have to pray to God and say, oh, there's this big, big, bad snake down here. God, you need to come down and do something about it. Didn't need to. Let the snake do his thing. He has no power over me unless I give in to what he says instead of what God says. You know how the devil gets to work in your life? Through his word. God and the devil both work through the word which you apply. The devil works in your life through the word if you apply his word. And God works in your life through his word when you apply his word. Amen. Worship team if you come. We've got to have a value, an honor, and a reference for the word of God. If he says, don't eat of this tree, then we don't eat it. And there's life and liberty in the word. There's life and freedom in the word. God's word is not there to restrict you. God's word is not there to bind you up. God's word is to give you liberty. The boundary around that tree, do not eat of this tree, was not there to restrict them. It was there to free them. The blessing is in the boundary. 
Some of us have lost the value for the word of God. Some of us haven't held this word. You know, there's, there's, there's sometimes when I'll counsel people and they'll come to me with a, a situation or even a, re, a repeated thing that, you know, we've dealt with before. And I'll look at them and say, I've got nothing new for you. You just need to do what you were told to do last time. You just need to apply what was revealed to you last time. You're in this mess right now because you didn't do what you know to do. I don't know about you. I don't want to be a Pharisee in the last days. I don't want to be full of knowledge. Bible says that knowledge puffs up. Knowledge will make prideful. Knowledge that is not applied will puff you up. Diet without exercise will puff you up. And same thing spiritually. We got people that are so full of the word. And they know every scripture. They can quote it. They can slam the book at you. But the ones that really see the results are the ones that apply the word in their own life. Don't don't try to apply the word in someone else's life until you've applied the word in your life. That's what the Pharisees did. The people that were Jesus's greatest opposition. They knew this. They heard this. They even taught this. They could read this to you, man. They could quote you the scriptures up and down. But yet they crucified the king. The crucified, the word. Jesus was the word made flesh and dwelt among us. They put the word on the cross, killed the word because they weren't really in love with the word. They weren't really in love with the book. They weren't really in love with the one who wrote the book. This was a means to an end for them. This was a means to look religious Look righteous when really Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. No, we got to have a real value for the word. Apply the word in our lives. Let's see the word of God produce results in our lives. So that we can help see the results in others.